Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Wood Talk, crafting artisanal sawdust since 2007. Now here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right. It is show number 531. And on today's show, we're talking about cherry color change, tongue oil finishing, our chainsaw mill sketchy, and Mark's firehouse thingy. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before October 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. Go Rockler. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This episode, we're thanking all of our patrons. (laughs) Apparently, because <laughs> there's no one there to thank. So thank you to all um, of our amazing patrons who have been with us for a long time and didn't even know we quit and came back. Can this be like the podcast version of an IOU? <laughs> we we want to thank them, but we don't have the names listed yet. So we're lucky to do a show this week. They're all there. Just, they know who they are. <laughs> no, you know who you are. Thank you. No, we will thank you. Uh, it may be on the next show or the one after that or the one after that, but uh, I got some homework to do. I, I Truthfully, I forgot to do that in my show prep, and that's my fault. So. I, I forgot to look until you were like halfway through your Rockler thing. So like, I was wait. halfway through my Rockler thing, and I said, oh, crap. <laughs> tried not to let it screw me up as I realized I did not get the names, but that's we'll, we'll do it. We we promise. It's good. Yeah. I like it. Well, look, it's been a long time. Um, it's been a whole month of no shows. Me moving was was definitely a little traumatic on the podcast front. Uh, I didn't really have great internet options and finally got settled. And uh, honestly, you guys, it's weird. T-Mobile, T-Mobile of all things, bailed me out of my internet uh, conundrum here at the house. Uh, the, the option that I had when I moved in was DSL and not just DSL, but 1.5 megabit per second <laughs> DSL. And that's from, the from download. 20 years ago. That's the <laughs> download. Like that's a stage above dial up. That so, was broadband. Like when broadband right. is new. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And it certainly doesn't, you know, even meet the government's minimum standards for like what broadband is, uh, which is kind of <laughs> low to begin with in the U S so yeah, that was my option. And then just talking to some neighbors, we found out that T-Mobile put up a tower here and they have a home uh, internet thing that works off of their 5G network. 
And uh, we looked into it. They said, uh, you know, we're at capacity. Sorry, guys. Just <laughs> join the waiting list. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, we're on a waiting list for uh, fiber connection. We're on a waiting list for Starlink. We're on a waiting list for everything. So we were getting ready to embark on this new lifestyle of, of not having internet at home. And uh, then someone told us that if you contact this special guy, you got to call this this guy in Missouri uh, and, and tell him that you're a business. And suddenly everything changes. And I did that. I call, I contacted this dude at T-Mobile, told him it's for a business. And suddenly there was capacity and we were able to get a connection that is totally reasonable, seems to be working. And I think we'll be able to do the show from here um, and it's all, I mean, it's, it's like 3.5 megabits. It's a whole 3.5. <laughs> it's super weird. It is, it is weird. It's sometimes you do a test. It's very, uh, inconsistent, but there are times where I'll get like 50 down and then 50 up. It's like oh. symmetrical, like fiber in that way. Yet mm-hmm. it's all wireless. It's, it's totally weird. Um, but we're having a conversation, so it, it can't be all that bad. <laughs> it seems like it's. I gotta okay. admit, I didn't even know T-Mobile was still a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're still T-Mobile around. is kind of like what your third tier, fourth tier, um, you know, provider for cell phones. I would not have gone with T-Mobile, um, but in this particular location, AT and T and Verizon, kind of a dry spot here, and T-Mobile found you know the spot and said, okay, we'll go in there and put up a tower. And now everybody in this neighborhood has this service. It's pretty interesting. But I think the great thing is now I go anywhere else because I got T-Mobile on my phone. I go anywhere else in a populated area and my my signal sucks. But everybody else has you know, <laughs> I have five bars. <laughs> so, yeah, that's part of the joy of, so of being Don't here. go to populated areas. There you go. You're well, welcome. Right. I, I, I generally avoid those anyway. So. <laughs> Sounds like a good life plan in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, the the what's on the bench segment is going to be kind of an extended segment because I figure there's going to be quite a bit to talk about. Uh, you know, obviously, the reason for the delay in the shows was the fact that I was moving, um, but also not just moving, you know, house stuff, but moving shop stuff into a new firehouse space, which actually, you know, as, as we're recording this, this just happened. The closing of the firehouse was very delayed. I had like a good three weeks uh, of just kind of getting the house up to speed before the closing of the firehouse. And finally, this past week, uh, we did close, got the keys, and started the process of of moving in. Uh, but moving into this space is, it's the actual move itself is sort of delayed too, because we have to make the place habitable. Um, it, it's, it's an older building. There's a lot of questions about, you know, safety-related things. We have to make sure that it's it's okay uh, to touch the water <laughs> that it's not radioactive. <laughs> uh, did you guys see the video I posted of the, the, uh, filter mm-hmm. unit? Oh, yes, boy. there's uh, mm. there's some stuff in there. It's a little, a little I, thought, I thought you'd gotten into like throwing pottery. Yeah. It looked like you were it did. Yeah, it's looking that, down on. Some... I wasn't sure what I was looking at at first. Uh huh. Like, right. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so it's on a well. Oh no. And anyone who's on a well, you you kind of know this is sediment can happen. It's certainly something that can happen. Uh the date on this filter that, that <laughs> sediment happens. His sediment That's does that's my new t-shirt. Uh the date on it says make sure you change. Like they have like the they did the date of when it's supposed to be changed, then someone crossed it out when it was changed, and you're supposed to then put the next date. <laughs> the last date that's on there is 2011. Oh god. Hmm. <laughs> So there's potentially 11 years of sediment in this thing. So it's like, it looks like a lot that the water source might just be bad, but I I think it's literally it's 10, 11 years 
of it just sitting there not being changed. And yeah, of course, that much sediment can certainly build up. So I'm in the process of replacing the filter and then testing the water. Uh, we've got all kinds of environmental testing going on, lead, asbestos. Um, uh, what else did we do? VOCs for the, the main bays. I just want to make sure, you know, what we're doing there is going to be safe. And if we drink the water, you know, we're not going to keel over. It's just a lot of, a lot of that has to happen, uh, for me to feel comfortable in a space like this, but it's weird. I mean, it's, it's a big garage with some living space in the back and, um, I know what to do with a garage. It's just that this is a different garage. <laughs> it's very different than what I'm used to, uh, 14 foot ceilings, cinder block walls, it's a, it's a lot to consider. So um, my, my plan at this point is to kind of keep it in a, a two-phase process. Phase one is get in there. Get in there and start working. Plug in some tools. Try to get some dust collection set up. Um, because there's, I, like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but my quote-unquote dream shop build never really materialized into the perfect wood shop for me. It was still just a big open space because I was, I was scared to commit to doing anything. And I have to make sure that I kind of balance that this time because I need to commit, I need to get it there, but I'm not the kind of person who could walk into a brand new space and immediately execute a vision. I'd like, I know exactly what I want to do, where everything goes. I need to live in that space for a while first. So that's phase one. And then phase two will be kind of perfecting things, getting uh, tools exactly in the right location, getting the duct, uh, duct work for the dust collection set up. Um, I'm curious with you guys, if you were given a space, uh, just a large open space, do you have in your mind exactly what you would need? Would you be comfortable executing like the finalization of things on day one? Yep. No. <clears throat> Matt, you strike me as the kind of guy who would. <laughs> well, thanks, I guess. Shannon, you're more reasonable like me. <laughs> and you want it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just lack imagination. Yeah. Well, like I'm watching uh, like Johnny Brook, for instance, he's doing a, a transformation of a space that needs a whole lot more TLC and rehab than mine does. Um, his videos on that, if I haven't mentioned them before, uh, before the documentation of his shop build out is pretty fantastic. So if you want to go watch that on the, the crafted, is that what's, what's the channel, his official channel name, crafted something workshop, Cra crafted workshop. Uh, so anyway, really good, but it's very clear to me that Johnny has a vision and Johnny knows exactly what he wants, where he wants it. And I'm scared to death to commit to that before I'm confident <laughs> in it. Like my Denver workshop, I was there for six years and I would say in the past, probably in the past year, I finally got that space to be outfitted the way I thought it, you know, was the most, the, the best version of itself in a way. Uh, it took me a while to get there and I'll get there with this space too, but I don't think in the first year, I don't think I'm going to get there. I just don't uh, feel comfortable committing. So no, I'm like you. I got to I got to like live in it, work in it. Yeah, um, there's workflow like my, issues like you, you got to experience it. I mean, I, I reorganized the interior of my tool cabinet seven times before I finally got like everything <laughs> exactly where I wanted. Finally. I had to like build out of it, work out of it before yeah. I could figure that out. So, yeah. And, and, and like you, my shop is. Uh, kind of where I need it right now, but that's only mm -hmm. because I'm so constrained on space. Right. I think if I went the other direction and I was given a big old huge thing, it would be just like overwhelm. Yeah. And I would is. end up with like my same shop footprint, like squished over into the corner. <laughs> right. <laughs> like this huge, huge space around. Maybe it. that's what I should do. Right. Just copy the old setup and put it in whatever square footage it takes up and just leave the rest open. Yeah. Flex space. Put like a slot car racing track in the rest of the yeah. spot, you know, or 
or like a, a dog agility course, and Dougie and, and Abby. <laughs> that sounds good. Go nuts. <laughs> I could always use see? that. So yeah, what, Dougie what, doing agility. I want to see that. <laughs> you could do it. That guy can do anything. Roll over. Your I'll back. tell you the dogs, the dogs are really like, talk about getting a lifestyle upgrade. We had like a postage stamp for a backyard and there was a walkway through the backyard in Denver. Uh, and the dogs would just sit out there all day and bark at people like that was that was what they did. And they didn't get a lot of exercise until we went out for a run or a walk uh, here. It's totally different. They're on a invisible fence system on acreage and they love it. Like these two just spend most of their day outside. You just let them out and they just sit on the porch and watch people go by. Um, they Born are free. They are having a great time. The and the only thing is like Abby worries me a little bit she's eating frogs and i know like certain certain frogs and toads can be poisonous to dogs and uh and she doesn't seem to care and i'm trying to stop that from happening that that's making me a little bit nervous oh geez and not to get on too much of a tangent but one of the things that happened when we probably were here for about a week is related to the dogs abby started to throw up and over 24 hours of uh, vomiting we got her into a vet uh, they got her in uh, quickly, did exploratory surgery, and found that her spleen was twisted and doing stupid things, yeah. doing like uh, doing backflips in her belly. Uh, had to have her spleen removed and like just emergency surgery the week after we got here. We were like, you know, just thought she had eaten something. But no, she, this would have happened if we were in Denver, too. Um, but just really crappy timing on that. So. Wow. Uh, thankfully she's all, right. all healed up. Solidarity sister. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We talked about this. Did you guys know yeah. that Shannon had his, uh, had a spleen situation due to a sword, <laughs> right? <laughs> a spleen situation. <laughs> <laughs> he had a sword yeah. situation and a spleen situation. Yeah. I was run through. It was, um, <laughs> it wasn't by me. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, was, we did not have a duel. A <laughs> it was during Shakespeare's 12th night. Uh, a production in my freshman year in high school. And uh, t it, it t technically wasn't run through, but it was a sword. It was a stage sword. And it caused, because um, it was, I wasn't actually stabbed, it was the hilt of the sword that was driven into my gut, Ew. which caused Ow. the floating rib to kind of compress. Oof. And as the floating rib expanded back out, it the tip of it grabbed the spleen and just gripped down the end. So, yeah. Listen, but I did the show, you know, went ahead. The show must go, go on. on. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, it, it was, it was like, you know, you've been punched in the gut really hard. And it was like, and the wind was knocked out of me and I kind of felt nauseous for a while. And then you'd sit and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I feel kind of, kind of weak. You know, I'm going to be bruised or whatever. And I thought maybe I had bruised a rib or something. So I did the show had the cast party at my house. Um, keeping in mind, I'm bleeding internally at this point. So we're like, <laughs> we're like in the hot tub, you know, doing like high school kid things do, you know, oh, hey, geez. hey, good show. And yeah, it was like the next morning. I'm like, I don't feel so good. <laughs> should go to the hospital. Doctor's like, how are you alive? Like all of the blood in your body is now in your abdominal cavity. Yikes. Just hanging out, not circulating. Yeah. Ow. But, you know, the good news is since the spleen is, it's a blood filter, it's part of your immune system. Mm -hmm. um, so if there's ever like shortages on vaccines, like we haven't had this in a while, but like there it was difficult to get a flu shot for a while. You know, they all out, you know, oh, I'm sorry, we're entirely out. And I'd say, well, I don't have a spleen. Oh, look, we just found one oh, for you. It's in great. the back closet. Fantastic. We had an extra. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's real easy. So, you know, if you're into vaccines, you can get them real easy. Well, all you got to so. do is have your spleen removed. You get in the front yep, of the line. That's it. Nicely done. That's it. Uh, well, and before, I guess before we move on from the firehouse stuff, the um, the other adjustment thing that's happening here is like the the people. Uh, it's and also having a commercial space. So where where we're located, it's near another intersection. It's very clear that this place has been unoccupied for a long time because it is the neighborhood place to turn around <laughs> with your with your car. <laughs> yeah, and they are so used to it. And here's the other thing: we did this yesterday. We we were trying to find a diner to go eat, and Nicole drove past it, needed to kind of get her bearings, so she pulls into like a mechanics shop and pulls into the parking lot. And I'm sitting there thinking. This is the mentality because I, I have the other side of it as the owner of the property. I'm going, what is the deal with people doing this? And then we did it ourselves. And I'm like, that's that's why when you see a commercial property, people think it's public property. Like it's OK to go turn around in that parking lot because it's not a house. Uh, so I'm like trying to, to to rationalize all that in my head and try to be reasonable um, but it's also kind of I don't know something about it is a little bit annoying <laughs> to see people constantly doing this. Um, but I, I'm trying to like be neighborly and be nice because I'm also getting a lot of people just stopping by just to say hi and to ask me questions. And that's also something I'm not used to at all. <laughs> so, Are they disappointed when they find out you're not a fireman? No, I think everybody knows that. I mean, this place has been owned a couple different times, um, by other businesses that were not, you know, fire related. <laughs> so they're not surprised at all. I mean, also they take one look at me and they go, yeah, this guy's not brave enough to be putting out fires. Um, so <laughs> it's pretty clear when they see me, <laughs> but like having people just randomly stop by. And then of course, everybody's a woodworker, right? To some extent, <laughs> especially if you go out into like rural America, they all have a story about the woodworking that they did. And, um, and you know, you're trying to be nice and you got work to do, but they're telling you all kinds of stories and I'm trying to be, you know, cool about it. So <clears throat> a little bit of an adjustment to that to being friendly to strangers and having people just randomly zipping through the parking lot because they're trying to turn around. So that's a good time. But anyway, lots to come. Got, you know, we're going to try to film some of the content. I'm not going to turn into, you know, Cremona's channel, uh, documenting, you know, every little thing. Definitely. We already established that a long time ago. You don't go full Cremona (laughs) and I have no intention of doing that, but you know, we got a little, a bunch of little projects that have to be done. So we'll do that. And dude, I, I caught up with your video. I got your uh, notification today and uh, saw the latest video. You guys trimming out the the deck area. Oh my god, so much, so much trim. It is a lot of trim. Four episodes <laughs> of just exterior trim. Yeah, I like the mattress ad though, and and I got to thinking as I I'm watching it. part part of your sales pitch. Was it Helix? Is that the name? Yeah, it was Helix. Okay, like part of the sales pitch, you were like, it's great because you and your partner can go in and each put in your sleep preferences and uh, Lindsay's a stomach sleeper and you said you're a side sleeper. And it, yep. it crossed my mind in a different, uh, different dimension, you know, perhaps I, I also sleep on the side. You and I would have a better time with a mattress than would. you and your we wife. Be, we're more compatible sleepers. We are compatible. Yeah. We would have the exact same mattress and be happy about it. Oh, so nice. Wow. That would be beautiful. <laughs> I, I don't know where to go with that information. <laughs> <laughs> so let Lindsay know. There might be competition, um, you know, for the sleep position comfort <laughs> thing. Oh she'll be God. she'll be happy about yeah, that. Go, this is going to go well. Like, this all happened while I was on the toilet, too. Why are you so talking to this guy? That's what she's going to say. 
Right. I'm not sure you should keep doing this wood talk thing. There's not enough positivity coming out of this relationship anymore. Oh, Nothing boy. useful. Okay. Anyway, so uh, what do you say we jump into a little bit of kickback here? Um, is it Simon? Yeah, I think Simon has some uh, advice on zoning, which is completely irrelevant now. <laughs> hey guys, Simon Rios here from Boston. In reference to your zoning issues, Mark, my advice to you is hire a land use attorney. Uh, we went through something similar about four years back. We bought a house with a horse barn that we wanted to turn into another house. It wasn't allowed under the zoning, but I called the head of the planning board to ask whether it might be an allowed use. They recommended I hire a lawyer, gave me the number of somebody who was really connected in town, um, had been the head of the select board and was a well-known uh, land use attorney here in town. So anyway, that ended up costing, I think, $500, which for an attorney is, is ridiculous. And this person was so effective. Um, so again, my advice to you would be to hire somebody who knows what they're doing on this front, who knows the players, who knows the town's zoning, and they'll, they'll get you to where you need to be. Keep up the show, guys. All right. I'll get right on that. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> he'll tell you you shouldn't be there before you get too involved. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll just bail on the whole horse barn plan and do something else. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. But uh, seriously, thank you for that. And of course, we're kind of late to the game getting back into the show. So, you know, some of the feedback we had was kind of irrelevant at this point. But uh, that was a nice voicemail. So thank you for that. Yeah, okay. Uh, you. Shannon, you want to grab this other great. one? Yeah, um, I actually dropped this in here because I, I mentioned this on the Lumber Update show as well. And I wanted to put it in here because it is a public safety thing. Um, I got this message from Bart <clears throat> who basically says, no more river tables because epoxy is bad for your health. Um, and there's a there's a link that I'll, I'll post in the show notes that points to kind of the, the technical details. But um, badge or bisphenol A diglycetyl ether is uh, also uh, found in epoxy. I don't think this is really anything new. Yeah, I mean, I if, you, if you really look at like a jar of epoxy or two jars of epoxy, bottles, whatever you want to call them, um, there's really not really any mystery that there's probably something bad in there for you. Um, the Just the smell of epoxy as it's curing and the mm -hmm. fact that it's so exothermic kind of makes you go, Ooh, I, you know, it's not all natural. Um, so, but it apparently is quite carcinogenic. Um, and I myself started thinking about the last time that I mixed up some epoxy, just, you know, five minute stuff for gluing, you know, metal to wood or something like that. And I wasn't wearing a respirator and really the more I read this article, it was kind of like reading, um, what was it? Bill Pence, like on wood oh, dust. Yeah. Yeah, that like, makes you want to reading get out that, of you're like I'm <laughs> like, out of it I'm never going to go on my shop ever again. <laughs> yeah. Like I must be already dead like right now. Mm -hmm. Um so reading this and digging into a little bit more I I, I just realized yeah, there's some kind of nasty stuff off-gassing as epoxy cures and there's every possibility that some epoxies are better than others, but the upshot to this is put on a respirator when you're mixing epoxy, when you're applying epoxy and if preferable like not a wood dust respirator, like a chemical respirator, mm -hmm. because there is a lot of stuff and whether it's carcinogenic or not, if it's not, it's still something else bad. Um, and it, it just, it was kind of interesting because 
I was looking at my own self and thinking, I rarely use epoxy. And when I do, I never put on the respirator. And yeah. maybe that's okay because I rarely use it. But at the same time, it's just a, you know, I'm good about like putting on the respirator when I like run the planer and things like that. I've gotten that habit in my head, but I don't think about that when it comes to using epoxy or glue at all. But well, um, you're also maybe, using extremely small quantities of it too, you know? Just yeah. In, oh, no doubt. Just um, as long as you have a little bit of, of fresh things. air. It's a habit. It's a habit to get into. Yeah. And, and you look at the number of people who, you know, are doing epoxy pours and things like that. Um, how many of them are wearing respirators? I have seen some who are wearing respirators. Good on you. But just good public safety announcement there. It is interesting because it is something where the the trend and the uptick in usage of epoxy, we've talked about this on the cost of epoxy, but this is something that we, we've never touched on. <laughs> the Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Cost. <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of cost, but like the trend becoming popular, developing this sort of cavalier attitude toward it. I've always had a an interesting respect for epoxy because it's expensive because it's a two-part mixture, anytime you have a two-part mixture of anything, you should kind of be a little bit like, I mean, and Rubio is in that category too. It's also a two-part mixture um, where you start to think, well, what's going on there chemically? Uh, epoxy is mm -hmm. just something that I've always respected and always used in small quantities. If I do anything with heat with epoxy, absolutely. I've got fresh air and a respirator on. Um, and you see people who, especially just in the last 10 years, uh, with this uptick, there is a very cavalier attitude with the treatment of epoxy, where it's just like this harmless material mixing with no gloves um, and mixing in huge, huge quantities um, that they're just right. huffing <laughs> as they're standing around the shop. It, it, it is interesting. Definitely something to think about. I think it's a good uh, you you said it anytime you're mixing something, it's kind of a red flag because like the same thing would apply to. Um, What's this stuff called? Unibond. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, stuff. <laughs> and that's got like fiberglass in it. <laughs> in like atomized fiberglass. So yeah, anytime you're mixing something, put, yeah, lots of that. Although I wonder how much of that anymore, because now Tosca compliance is pretty much global. I imagine they'd have to have that down. Well, Regardless. Even, it's like hard mixing, to buy anymore too, isn't it? Like everything's yeah, well, Unibond I don't think one. It's, I don't think it's really the, the preferred source anymore like ultra cat yeah. water-based i think performs just as well and it's water-based so mm -hmm. it's just you know just just the the same thing with so many finishes trying to become greener yeah um i think the same things happened in that market and it's you know if, if it doesn't have at least some sort of call it greenwashing if you will but if it doesn't have something to that effect in on the can 
you know, people aren't interested anymore. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just something to think about. Good rule of thumb. If you have to mix it, wear a respirator. Yeah. That All includes right. your pancake batter. Then you know where you should go? You know where you should go to get that respirator? Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. Very well done. Really. <laughs> I'm, I'm desperate for a tie-in. That wasn't that great. <laughs> well, Rockler is a sponsor of the show, even though we skipped a month and they're hanging hanging with us, which is good news. Um, you know, this is something I've been thinking about. I got to look into their system. They have shop stands. Uh, you can create the perfect cabinet, work table, or shop cart system for your workshop. The new Rock Steady Shop Stand kits from Rockler feature strong, heavy gauge steel construction and pre-drilled holes for easy assembly and accessorizing. Uh, these are the best workshop stands in the business. Mix and match shop stand dimensions to suit your needs. Choose from one of Rockler's complete kits or select individual shop stand components and accessories. Rockler's Rocksteady Shop Stand Configurator makes it easy to design and shop for the perfect custom workshop stand. You know I gotta go look at this. Because now I got space, baby! Space is always a problem. Like got space. You, look, you look at these great like assembly tables and mobile workstations and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's great if you have room for it. And I, I never really do. And this kind of thing could be really, really handy for like specialized, uh, you know, accessories, shop stands, things to roll around for uh, workstations. I think this is great. I'm going to go look at it and I'm going to configure some. Configure some configure yeah, I looked at this because um, I, I was looking to actually not in my workshop, but in my bike shop next door to my workshop. Mm -hmm. um, that's just a mess. Like yeah. I've got the, my workshop perfectly well organized and my like bike mechanic tools are scattered everywhere and in random toolboxes. Um, so I was going to trick out kind of part of my laundry room next door. And there's that. I know you went through this, Mark, where it's kind of like, well, yes, I could build all the cabinets. Or I could just go and buy a bunch of cabinet boxes and be done with it. Yeah. And I was looking at all this, that, and I, I love just the blue Rockler pegboard. I mean, who wants to use boring white pegboard or brown yeah. pegboard when you can have blue pegboard? I like blue. Good stuff. Nice I color. like blue. <laughs> so there you go. Head over to uh, rockler.com. We'll put the link in our show notes if you want to head right to that shop stand configurator and check it all out. Okay, let's get to some questions. Got one from Jose. He says, hey, all love the show. The question is for Mark following up on his video on food safe finishes. I wonder what is the right application process for tongue oil? Do you need many coats? You did four coats, right? Is there a waiting time, a light sanding in between? I think mineral oil has the benefit of it being potentially easier to apply in a more commercial scale, uh, as in I'm making a batch, and therefore cheaper. And yes, totally get the point that it's easier to apply at the beginning <clears throat> excuse me, but then you have to reapply it later. So you can argue that it has a higher initial cost, but longer durability. Also, do you know if these finishes would behave differently when it comes to moisture absorption on opposite faces, making the boards cup over time? I make some boards to cover the sink for travel trailers. Uh, this covers my hobby costs. Then a couple folks reported that the boards have cupped slightly, which I'm assuming was because of water sitting in the sink for a longer period of time, making the fibers expand at the bottom. Thank you so much. Uh, okay. A lot of questions. See if I could break it down and, and remember all of these. Um, so the application process is totally variable when it comes to these oils. It's really about how many do you want to apply? Um, if you are giving them a day or two to dry and sometimes more than that, it's a question of patience. So a lot of times, you know, after four coats, I'm usually done. <laughs> like I'm usually ready to be done with it because four coats could mean that it's taken a week to get to that point. And it's still going to take another, 
you know, two to three weeks, maybe a, a month for it to fully cure. Right. So that's something you have to think about too. Um, but generally speaking, at least a few coats, if you can do more, go for it. No need to sand in between the, the oils generally are not raising the grain. Uh, so I don't usually see benefit to sanding. Uh, let's see. So yeah, I get the argument with mineral oil that it's easier to, uh, to apply on a commercial scale. But if you're applying anything on a commercial scale, you should probably use the best finish possible because that means that you're probably selling these things to people. And if you're selling it, <clears throat> excuse me again, the way that you finish it is an integral like part in the success of that piece. So why, this is the argument I don't understand. Like, why would you want to send something out with an inferior finish? Because you have to realize that finish to the average person who buys your stuff, that is an impression they're going to get about the thing that they bought from you. It's a very important one. So send it out with the best finish possible. And if you give them something that stands up longer and doesn't look like crap after the first use, they're going to like you more and they're going to buy more stuff from you. So I don't understand, even if you save a few bucks with that application method, I think it actually is detrimental in the long run. And you, even on a commercial scale, you might want to consider something else. Uh, let's see. Do you know if these finishes would behave differently? Well, I mean, it's, I think anything, if you put it over a sink and that sink potentially has water or trapped water vapor, you may have problems. It's likely to cause warping. And I don't even know that using tongue oil is going to be that much better at that. It's not a layer. It's not impervious to moisture transfer through it. So maybe it will hold up a little bit better, but I don't know. I mean, depending on how the person is using it and how much water exposure is underneath it. I don't know that you're going to really be able to prevent that cupping over time. This is just a, a fact of how the person is using it. Uh, let's see. Yep. That's about it. I think I hit all the questions. And also I would like to mention our sponsors at Rockler sell tongue oil. They actually have a, a Rockler branded tongue oil product, which if I'm not mistaken, was probably the first tongue oil I ever purchased. As I went blue. to Rockler. It's got the bl- bl- blue labeling. The bottle oh, is not blue. It's though. got blue in it. <laughs> Put a little blue transient in there. And- <laughs> no, yeah, inside it. Uh-huh. Well, yes, it should. <laughs> Everything should be should be blue from Rockler. You know, the I funny mean, thing they was have those those ceiling paints that go on pink and dry white, and that's how you know it's covered. Oh, that's they right. should do yeah, the yeah. same thing with tongue oil. That's a good it's idea. Blue. That's how you know it's dry. That was the product I believe I bought in the pursuit of quote unquote tongue oil from Woodworks. Oh gosh. <laughs> before and i was like this doesn't do what, what david mark said it would do <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> armor seal <laughs> yeah because it's not the same stuff so yeah thanks rockler for supplying that to me and uh <laughs> teaching me a hard lesson early in my woodworking <laughs> hey and you know if you want if you want quote tongue oil like like david mark's use uh-huh. they sell that at rockler too they it's do called, just it's in called the armor general seal. finishes can yeah. uh all right shannon you're up uh, this is from Nick, who's building a pair of nightstands, and they have a, a case made of four-quarter cherry and legs made of eight-quarter cherry. The four-quarter I picked up from a local hardwood supplier but has a light pinkish tone, and the eight-quarter that they currently have in stock has deep red-brown tones. I know that cherry comes in a wide range of colors, but I'm unsure how the two will age together. Will the red-brown legs rel- remain relatively stable while the four-quarter darkens so that they match over time, or am I better off waiting until I get my hands on some lighter eight-quarter? Contrasting tones might even look cool together. I'm a relatively new wood, new door, new woodworker. <laughs> don't have a lot of experience with cherry. Um, so uh, if the yes, <laughs> the answer yes. is yes. Yep. Um, they they will um, they will kind of blend together over time. Now, certainly 
you know, it's wood, it's organic. It, it, you know, you can't expect them to be exactly the same, but I, I have found that, um, cherry, even like the most disparate cherry colors tend to come the same after time. In fact, I'm looking at a bedside table I made in cherry, uh, five years ago. Um, and I distinctly remember the same situation. The, uh, the eight quarter that I did for the turn legs was a much deeper color and the, um, the front, uh, uh, drawer blades and things, the whole front facade was made out of four quarter that was much lighter pink. Mm -hmm. Um, even after I milled the legs, they were still kind of darker. So that's, that's the other thing is that eight quarter may have been sitting on the shelf of the lumber yard for a while. And if you want it to be light pinker, run it through the planer and it'll be nice and pink. But in, in general, yeah, they will all blend together. If you're really uncertain, take your piece, stick it in the sunshine for the afternoon, and you will be shocked at how much darkening or, or how much um, uh, mellowing and blending of the two colors occurs just over the course of like three hours in the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Cherry is, is particularly, um, I don't want to say notorious because I think it's wonderful, uh, particularly known for that uh, color change because there's so much of the commercial market that calls things quote cherry and it's like this deep red mahogany color like what the heck is that and then people see cherry i remember when i first started in the kind of the craft show circuit and i was doing cutting boards and boxes and it's like oh that's made out of cherry people like no it's not that's (laughs) not not cherry not dark enough yeah okay (laughs) it's and and they're they don't they don't expect it to be so light pink in color so yeah Easy answer. Stick it in the sun and you'll see it mellow pretty quickly. And the thing is, if you make enough stuff out of cherry and you leave it natural, you start to really love the variability. There's There can be oh, yeah. some continued variability over time, but it's all like so close in a color family. It makes sense. I think the only time it would stand out is if you had a board that's just naturally, even after it ages and darkens, just naturally a little bit lighter in tone. And it's right in the middle of a bunch of boards that are darker in tone. And what he's talking about with eight quarter and four quarter, it's probably going to be different components on the piece that he's building. So if you have, let's say, lighter color on the top, but your legs are a little bit darker, it all looks fine. It all looks fantastic. It's just Mother Nature's natural variety, but they're all in the same color family. So it looks good. We have to always kind of step back and look at the whole too. Like as the woodworker, we, you know, we're agonizing over the eighth inch or quarter inch reveal between the leg and the apron. And you know, you're so focused on that and you, all you see is that color change. But if right. you like dry fit the whole thing together and like walk across the room and look at it, it looks, it looks fine. Totally. Cause as you said, those colors are close enough. They're in the same palette that it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, you're up and I'm going to go let my dog out. <laughs> okay. All right. This one's from Paul. Uh, Paul says, I recently had to remove two large ash trees in my backyard to accommodate a home addition. I asked the tree service to leave the trunks as they are beautifully straight and in good shape. I'm considering setting up a chainsaw mill to mill these. The tree guy says he has lots of maple ash and some oak that I could have if I wanted it. These chainsaw mills look kind of sketchy, and I know that they're not as good as a bandsaw mill. But for a small setup, do these work okay? These ash trunks are nearly two feet in diameter. So are they too big to try with? Anyway, love the show. Thanks. So th- Matt, I, I, I want to jump in real quick. Okay. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, this is kind of your life now. Like <laughs> you started with a chainsaw mill yeah. and like chainsaw mill was perfectly acceptable. But now that you've built a bandsaw <laughs> mill, like 
other people have jumped on, like whether they built it themselves or they bought like a wood miser. And now that's the norm. And now chainsaws, it's like, oh, well, that's not good. That's not cool enough. That's not, cool <laughs> so enough. not, not good, good enough. enough. I'm not going to stoop to that level. It's not good enough. <laughs> is, it, is it too sketchy? I, I don't know. It's just kind of funny how the, the market has matured. And I guess the the next thing is is going out and buying obscure commercial properties and turning it into a wood shop. That's the thing now. Uh, obviously, so, yes. Yep. That's, yeah. You're welcome. Good luck. <laughs> Keeping up with that. Um, <laughs> so first off, I'll just address the, the sketchy nature of this. Um, I would argue that using a chainsaw in a mill setup is far less sketchy and more safe than using a chainsaw <laughs> freehand to cut anything. Um, with that chainsaw in that mill, it's not really going to go anywhere. It's well restrained and your tip where your kickback will occur is not even in the cut. So you have zero kickback risk ish i don't mm-hmm. say zero but like it's almost zero risk of it ish. kicking back on you and that's a dangerous part of the chainsaw is if you get in the kickback zone on the tip it will throw that whole freaking uh, bar in your face so that's why you hold the saw off to one side because it will come straight up and if you're looking straight Oof. over it it will hit you in the face Oof. and it will not be a good day for you so make sure you got a kickback <laughs> break on there and make sure you don't put your face directly in line with the bar when you're doing mm-hmm. like chainsaw cutting but again, with the mill setup, the chainsaw is in that thing. It's kind of held in there and just kind of feeding it through the log. And most of the bar, a lot of times, is completely contained within the log. So you're not like near the cutting bits at all either. So I think safety-wise, as far as chainsaws go, in a mill, safer than just out cutting whatever. Um, and also like if you're cutting down like a tree or something, you got like all these forces that you're releasing that could fall on you. Mm-hmm. Like with the chainsaw mill, you're like, it's, it's on the ground already. Like nothing's falling on you. You're not releasing tension. That's going to like kick the whole log in your face either. So mm-hmm. much less sketchy. So I think it's a good idea to like to, if you're just trying to jump into it, I always say that when people are like, Oh, should I, should I like get a chainsaw mill or should I just like go get a bandsaw mill or what should I do? I'm not really sure what I want to do yet. I'm like, regardless of what method you go with, you're going to need a chainsaw. If you go the chainsaw milling route, you might need a bigger one, but regardless, you're still going to need that chainsaw for cutting logs, trimming things, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whether you have a bandsaw mill or a chainsaw mill, you still need a chainsaw. So your actual startup cost of like going to a chainsaw mill is really just the mill attachment itself if you're trying to get into this. So you're like looking at a couple hundred bucks to kind of try it and get into it. So it has a very low cost of entry. And if you're not doing a whole lot of stuff, like how much speed do you really need? Like if you're only cutting up like four logs a year or something, if it takes you four days to cut those logs versus one day to cut those logs, does that matter to you? I mean, probably not. So right. mm-hmm. I would just, just do it. And then you'll figure <laughs> out like, do I actually like this? Do I actually like having wood everywhere in my whole life? Like having stacks of wood everywhere. Is that a, a lifestyle for me or is that too much? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. all you have is a chainsaw mill to get rid of. Not a whole bandsaw. Nice. I was I recently um, talked to David Barman um, of Epilogue Lumber over in the Lumber Update show, and he was really pushing the whole Alaskan mill idea just because of its um, kind of scalability. And I never really thought about that. It's like you know you can put a longer bar, you know, assuming you've got a, a decent enough engine, motor, whatever you want to call it, um, whether it's gas powder or electric, on the on like the chainsaw machine itself. You can 
put a longer bar on it and do, you know, so many things. And he was talking about getting into this idea. Um, it's funny because we have some kickback that says uh, when we talked about going full Cremona when it comes to resawing, mm-hmm. it's like there are ways to go half Cremona or three-quarter Cremona <laughs> just by doing with an Alaskan mill. So, yeah, you don't always have to go full Cremona. And that's oh, definitely like the, the advantage of the chainsaw mills is the scalability. So you can cut some really, really big stuff without having to like go and get a whole nother setup. You can kind of add to it as yeah. you need. And to yeah. kind of go back to Paul's question about the size of these trees, two foot in diameter is a pretty good size for a chainsaw mill. And if you wanted to cut something three feet in diameter, you just need a bigger bar. Or you get a bigger bar to start with, and you can cut two feet. You can cut three feet. You can cut four feet with like mm-hmm. a five foot bar if you have one of those. So it's definitely scalable and to a nice. lot lower cost and disruption than like, I bought a bandsaw mill, but it only cuts two feet in diameter. I have a three foot diameter log. Now I got to go buy a bigger right. bandsaw mill. Mm-hmm. or something no yes okay yeah, as yes. Well, you do yes, yes. you know this Says might be a um, rep <laughs> right <laughs> this might be a good topic for a future show but you touched on it shannon and it's something i've been thinking about a lot lately is the normalization of ridiculousness uh, <laughs> like, yes. here, oh, i'm yes. so sorry like, maybe i'll give you an example here and then maybe we'll save it for a future show but I, I, just, I just love the phrasing normalization of ridiculousness. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. I just got a, uh, a trailer to help just haul stuff and, and get things back and forth between the shop and whatnot is you know, very useful out here. And uh, I got multiple people asking me if I made it. And I said, no, I bought it like a normal freaking person. And and if you look around the community in the maker community, who asked you stuff, if you made a trailer? Like, is it just on Instagram? At all? Well, when have you ever seen <laughs> what, me work what with metal? What are you doing? Pick up a welder. Like, this is not, not no, not for me. What have they seen like, you welding? But here's the thing. The whole maker community as a whole is just incredibly talented with a lot of different specialties. And and Matt, you're sort of an anomaly in the things that you're oh, able you. to do and like willing to do <laughs> at the same time. I think the but term is freak. Yeah, a, a little bit of a freak. Yeah. Um, just being like a, a real renaissance man. And and I have a lot of respect for that. Take that, but Shannon. It's brought it. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Sorry. TM. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Should have used bad choice of words. I'm sorry. But the fact that that is ironic if you think about it, because you're kind of specialized, Shannon, and you really only do one thing. So, I mean, is that really the best moniker for you at this point? See, at the time, I like where this is going. I'm liking this. This is good. Back in 2007, Mark, you remember then? I do. I do. I was alive. When it was just you and Vanderlist? Yeah. That was yeah. variety at the time. So I, right. I don't, I don't yeah. know. This is, this is I, this trend of seeing really talented people in their specialties doing these amazing things and then making other people like asking other people like, uh, why aren't you doing that? It's because I'm a freaking normal person and I do woodworking. I don't build trailers. Like if I built a trailer, I don't even know that it would be roadworthy <laughs> or, you know, like it wouldn't be safe to, to haul things behind my truck. So Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> I, I could just picture Mark like taking a piece of plywood and like putting some hardwood like skids on the bottom of it and just yeah. dragging that behind Why the truck. Why isn't this working? I mean, I made a sled for the kids with wood runners. It was terrible. You know why? Because metal does that better. <laughs> but I don't do metal. 
<laughs> oh, good times. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Family owned since 1954. Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head over to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Woohoo. A whole lot of Rockler. It's a lot of beans. Okay. We, we, we were back, folks. We, we had to take that month hiatus, so send us some questions. Most importantly, <clears throat> as you're driving down the road, what are the factors that go into your mind that say, hey, you know what? It's okay to make a U-turn there. Um, let us know. We want to <laughs> <wanna> know. <laughs> Is someone working there? That are. looks good. <laughs> so send us that information. Uh, go to woodtalkshow.com. You can fill out the form there or just send us an email at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. You can also find us over on Instagram at woodtalkshow. We'd love to hear from you there as well. Awesome. Well, that's it. We're glad to be back, guys. We hope you're enjoying the show. And oh, by the way, three shows for the next couple months because we're making up for lost time. So uh, we will see you more than usual. And we hope you enjoy it. So thanks for listening. We committed this to it. Yeah. (laughs) Enjoy. All right. Uh, We'll see you later, guys. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.